It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Friday episode of Locked on Raptors, I am fully clothed, as is our guest Jamar Hines, but the Raptors are streaking, baby. Three wins in a row. Yes, two of them are against the horrible Charlotte Hornets, but perhaps there are some kernels of optimism and encouragement to be gleaned. We will dig into all of it on today's episode of Locked on Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first of the Hail Mary 3 by Mo Get that garbage out of here. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1320 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, January the 13th. Ooh, spooky! Friday the 13th! I didn't realize that until just now. We're going to have some weird energy on the show today. I am, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work by going to Twitter and following me at WoodleySean as long as that website continues to exist because i'm going down with the ship baby uh you can also follow subscribe to rate and review the podcast for free on your favorite podcast apps we're also on youtube you can go hit the big red subscribe button over there and uh, a reminder you can win two tickets to the raptors republic live podcast event on february 7th at the rivoli in toronto all you got to do is email lockdownraptors at gmail.com send me a screenshot that proves you're subscribed to the lockdown raptors youtube channel and give me a little note about who your favorite deep cut Raptors of all time is if you do that you'll be put into the draw i'll be handing out two tickets january the 24th i'll be doing that draw on the show so please go and get your submissions in now and come hang out february 7th at the rivoli uh and uh let's dive on in now to the show shall we the raptors 124 114 their second straight win over the hornets their third straight win overall and joining me to break it all down is our pal jamar hines from the aforementioned raptors republic jamar how are you man I'm doing pretty good. I'm rocking the Bengals toque. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously they're my team. I'm wishing them luck for Sunday against Baltimore and 
if things go my way, I'll be back with another Bengals took in two weeks, which means they would still be in the playoffs, which is possible. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. We will Has nothing keep... to do with basketball, but <laughs> it is what it is. Hey, man, like I, I was telling you off air, I don't watch the NFL, so I just kind of follow it through my friends who like it and through Twitter. Uh, it's nice to get a reminder that, in fact, the NFL playoffs are going on this weekend. Uh, best of luck to your Bengals uh, and all that. Let, let's dive in, shall we, to the game against the Charlotte Hornets, who remain very bad. LaMelo Ball remains very good and cool, uh, but otherwise, they're a really bad team. The Raptors, however, pull out a 124-114 win, and I thought Jamar... I know the caveats, everyone's waiting, oh, they got to do it against a real team, they got to do it against a real team, and yes, that's fair, but I also think you can't overlook the very clear changes in process in the last couple of games here for the Raptors, and last night I thought the offense in particular looked as crisp and sort of designed as it ever has. There were lots of really well-timed sort of, you know, sequences of off-ball movement and pick and roll and just kind of making the next play. And it just felt like they actually had a plan on offense in a way they very rarely have, even against bad teams. Think back to the Magic losses, for example, and how just hapless they looked against Orlando, a team that also doesn't defend at a very high clip over the course of the whole season. So, Jamar, I'm curious, like, what were your impressions of the way the Raptors kind of came out against the Hornets for the second straight game? It's not easy to beat any team two times in a row, but their offensive process looks really, really strong right now. And it seems like they've kind of tweaked the way they're doing things at that end, which I do think should inspire a little bit of encouragement and optimism about what can come next. Yeah, you're right. The offense looked really good. I want to say that this is probably one of the longest stretches, if not the longest stretch where the starting lineup has been fully healthy. Yep. So you're seeing that you're seeing the continuity start to grow a little bit. Uh, first of all, Charlotte is bad. Yes. So bad. They, they are bad, <laughs> but I came away a little bit impressed with how they stayed in both of these games. Yeah. Uh, Charlotte, came in with the worst offensive rating in the league. And a lot of that is skewed because they didn't have LaMelo for like half the season. Yeah. And they had to run offense through someone like, I don't know, Kelly Oubre Jr. <laughs> so who's having, who's having a decent season, but I mean, they're not the worst offensive team in the league. That's what I, I that was my takeaway. But anyway, sure. back to the, back to the Raptors. They killed the Hornets this game in particular. When you talk about design and offense, they killed them running um, Scotty as the role man a lot with Fred. Yes. Uh, the, the the roles uh, led to a couple of um, dunks in the first half, and then the Hornets made an adjustment in the second half, you know, having someone kind of meet Scotty if he were to roll, and then that just set up lobs instead. Mm -hmm. uh, Scotty also did a lot of operating near the three-point line, finding cutters, uh, swinging the ball. He's always talking about, you know, swinging the ball side to side post game. And that happened a lot in this game. So as he said, the offense looks so much better this way. And he was able to find shooters, you know, Fred and both Fred and Scotty had high assist numbers through the different ways Scotty was utilized. And you've seen, you've seen Scotty utilize in different ways this, you know, um, this season so far, like sometimes mm -hmm. they go to him in the post and you know try to go through offense through there this was like more of a it kind of reminded me of marcus all in some ways just yeah. the way he was operating near the three-point line i know mark mcscall mark gasol 
normally operated, you know, in a in a high post. But so, but just the way, especially when Gary, uh, he found Gary on like back to back, you know, backdoor oh, yeah. cuts. That that looks something right out of the uh, Marcusall playbook. But yeah, eighteen assists in the first half. Eighteen of their twenty five field goals were assisted. So you love that. That's over seventy five. That's over seventy percent of their field goals. Uh, mm-hmm. They finished with thirty assists. They hit that mark for the second straight game. So. Of they didn't they didn't make twenty threes like they did last game, but you know everything looked really good. Even the the bench came in and you know they contributed. Uh, mm-hmm. I was impressed with the little stretch that Malachi Flynn played in the in the second quarter. He was even you know getting downhill and fi- and finding a couple of assists there. Mm-hmm. Um, Wancho coming off the bench and you know doing his typical cutting. So yeah, this was just, this was one of those typical games that um, you would want to see textbook games from the Raptors offensively. I would say that's happened three times in a row now. Because even if you go back to the Portland game, you know they looked good. Yeah, they looked good offensively in that game as well. So that's your okay. They did this against a better team type of thing. Although Portland's not playing very well right now, but you know, let's <laughs> blow it let's, up, right? That's the reaction as soon as a team loses a few games is blow it up, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were what after ten or twelve games, they were top. They were tops in the West, and yeah, that's only ten or twelve games. But yeah. now they're out of the play. They're out of the playing picture. I think they're eleventh in the West or something. But yeah, yeah, you just want to see this, you know, continuity grow. Um, it's Fred was featured off ball a lot and it, it, it makes me think of the, uh, the ESPN interview that Mm. while when the Raptors were on ESPN, where he's talking about him being off ball. And then when he was on the JJ Reddick podcast and it's like, you're looking up his numbers and it's like, okay, your usage rate is basically almost on par the last (laughs) season. What are you talking about? But he, it, he does have a point because a lot of that usage rate is skewed by the fact that someone was out, especially mm-hmm. earlier in the season, and he just had to haul ass in terms of offensively. So yeah. now with the you know with the full team healthy, yeah, his usage rate is a lot lower than he's used to. I don't. That still kind of makes me scratch my head in terms of like missing open threes. But mm-hmm. this role he played. Like he 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 didn't have to do all that much today, and it, it worked out perfectly. And he, you know, he he had the eight assist, and he only took two threes, which is weird from Fred. Yeah, but yeah. You want to see more the, than that for sure. Yeah, the three, the three he made was obviously the biggest three when Charlotte was trying to creep back into the game, and then he basically, you know, hit the dagger yeah. at the end of the game. But yeah, I have the offense looked great to me. Yeah, again, you can only play who you are playing on the schedule. And again, we haven't seen this kind of process. We haven't seen this kind of design in the Raptors offense against any opponent, let alone good or bad ones. It doesn't matter. Um, The thing that I keep thinking about, you know, we were sort of branding this as the homestand that was potentially going to save the season if things went right. And hey, there's a chance they win on Saturday against a not very good Hawks team and finish four and two, which is what we said was kind of the baseline coming in. Um, you know, it might not be the home games themselves that have saved the season. I think it might just be uh, practice time. Like, you can't undersell how mm. valuable I think that is. They've been home for a while now, a lot of home cooking, a lot of game and then off day, game off day, which is conducive to a lot of practice, which is where you implement stuff. Like, it's just, it's exactly, you know, the, the practice makes perfect is a uh, cliche for a reason. It's a thing. And I think that's... 
you know, to me, one of the sort of through lines of this homestand is you're seeing a little continuity coming together. And it has to be because they've actually had time to work some stuff out off of the court. You know, it just it's not a very conducive schedule most of the time to doing that. Um, and, you know, I think this applies as well to what Nick Nurse has kind of found rotation wise the last few games here. He tweaked it a little right. bit last night. Uh, didn't have Gary running with the four bench guys. Instead, he kind of had these two transitional lineups he went to that I'm really encouraged by just in terms of like the shape of those lineups on the floor. So midway through the first quarter, they go to a lineup of Fred, Wancho, OG, Siakam, and Coloco. And then they give way at the start of the second to Scotty, Gary, Trent Jr., who they've been running a lot of pick and roll with those two. And it's kind of fun, uh, along with Precious, Malachi Flynn, and Chris Boucher. And those lineups, while the numbers, there's like no sample on them at all, so the numbers mean nothing, they make sense to me. And they give that second unit a little bit of punch with that, you know, I was a little concerned about Gary plus four bench guys and its, you know, viability long term. Yeah. But you throw Scotty in there as like a screening partner for Trent, and that opens things up quite a bit there, uh, especially if Malachi Flynn can start hitting some threes, which he has uh, not done of late. Um, but I just think that looks really, really good. You throw in the fact that Scotty really seems to be getting comfortable in his role kind of playing from the middle of the floor on the season so far he's only done it on about five percent of possessions and they'd have to take this up I would you know they can't you can't isolate on the NBA tracking data for certain dates but on the season five percent of possessions feature Scotty Barnes as the pick and roll roll man the Raptors are scoring 1.42 points per possession in those situations 86th percentile in the league per NBA.com like that's something to build on, and mm -hmm. I, I think we kind of saw last night 21-7-9 from Scotty, a lot of which working from that sort of middle of the floor as a screening partner for various guys, for Fred, for Pascal, for Gary. Uh, I think there's a lot there as sort of like a core central tenet of your offense. It feels like the offense has a plan and an identity, finally. And again, you yeah. hope you can do it against better defenses. But to me, that's sort of the big takeaway here, and that practice time feels uh, extremely valuable Let's continue on here, Jamar. We're going to get into uh, my pitch, perhaps, of uh, an unpopular course to take for the Raptors at the trade deadline to you. <laughs> we will get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. If you are hiring for your small business, it is a heavy proposition hiring someone new. Your success depends on hiring the right people who match exactly what you're looking for in your job. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs can hire, can, you can hire with LinkedIn Jobs quality candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you attract quickly the best qualified candidates to your jobs with targeting tools that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. So they're the ones applying for your job. They're the ones you're interviewing. You're not spending time wasting time in fact uh, talking to people who just don't fit the bill for your job it's why small businesses rate, link, rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked in MBA that's linkedin.com slash locked in MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply the NBA playoffs are right around the corner and locked on NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, we continue on here with Jamar Hines of Raptors Republic looking at the Raptors 124-114 win over the Charlotte Hornets. And Jamar, look, I know I am prone, just as a guy, I'm prone to being seduced by a couple of days of good performance and and fun to watch basketball. But I have a proposition for you. I'm not saying I'm fully here just yet. I still think there's time to sort of let things play out and make a full determination as to what I think the Raptors should do at the deadline. And there's a total world in which maybe I could be swayed. But I'm creeping ever closer, Jamar, to thinking maybe the Raptors just do nothing. And I know that's going to be crazy. I know people are going to go, you can't do that courtroom (laughs) gasp and all of that. But... Here's hear me out, Jamar. First of all, uh, before right. I give you my case, uh, at first blush, do you think I'm insane? Partially. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm going to convince you as to why I'm not. Um, look, the Raptors. They've been a victim, I think, this season of just like a lack of time, right? You know, not enough time with guys healthy and together. Um, not enough practice time, I guess, as we just sort of talked about as well. And just sort of, it feels so rushed to come to a decision on what this core is because you have the Fred and Gary Trent Jr. contract situations. What if you just keep both of them and say, hey, next year is not quite a year where the cap crunch is going to come for us if we just keep these two guys and pay them their next deals, whether it's whatever, $28 million a year for Fred, twenty-five for Gary Trent Jr., whatever you want it to be. You just pay them those deals because retaining good players on contracts typically is pretty good business. You go into next season with a little bit more of a runway. You get from now until next trade deadline, essentially, another full calendar year to see exactly what this team is. And in the last calendar year, we've seen this team go 34-17 and to close the season. They've started horribly in this season, and they've had a pretty decent stabilization here in January. I think they're 6-5 and in their last 11. That to me, suggests that you need more time to figure out what's real, what's not, what's actually capable here. And we've seen over this homestand, you get some semblance of continuity and health. This team can put it together. The starting five is showing out pretty well. A plus 3.8 net rating over the course of the season. A 66.4 assist percentage. Maybe that lineup works. Maybe that's a lineup you can roll with, even if you realize there are still flaws on the team. There's no center, obviously. They could use more shooting and ball handling. But to me, if the basement's not finished, that doesn't just mean you knock down the whole house. You finish the basement instead of knocking down the whole house. The cap crunch for this team comes in 2024 when Precious and OG and Siakam will have their new deals coming in for the 24-25 season. So next summer is kind of the inflection point. You give yourself another year. You sign Gary Trent Jr., who I believe is going to be eminently movable if you want to move him on his next deal because he's a 23-year-old who bombs from three and can actually score and juice an offense. Fred Van Vliet, there's more risk there, obviously. If you think the decline is coming for him, maybe his next deal becomes troublesome to move. But the cap is going up. By the time that deal is over, we're going to be into gambling money and all of this. And, you know, in time for Scotty Barnes' new deal, you just give yourself more time. And what teams never get is the luxury of patience and being able to let things play out. 
And the Raptors have an opportunity here. They don't have to go over the tax next season if they keep Gary and keep Fred on whatever the sort of, even the max end of what their deals are going to be. You can still stay under the tax. You waive Thad Young after the season. You get $8 million there. There's a few contracts that you can probably jettison off, whether it's Chris Boucher at the deadline, Kem Birch. Like, these are not unmovable deals. Or you just keep them on the roster as depth pieces, and that's fine too. You can stay, I think I was talking to our pal Daniel Hackett last night, our cap genius over at Raptors HQ, and he was saying, yeah, you can keep Fred and Gary and pay them the regular deals, and you can still stay at like $150 million for your total salary, One sixty-two will be the tax line, and that's before you introduce whoever the first round pick is going to be. You don't need to force yourself into a decision right now, and you can give yourself a two-year, two-and-a-half-year sample of what this team is versus a one-and-a-half-year sample. I think this team has shown enough in the last calendar year to earn that extra year of rope if you have the luxury to give it to them. And I think they have that luxury. I don't know, Jamar. I, you know, there's still a world in which Fred Van Vliet is like the easy guy to move at the deadline and you kind of do that and go forward. You kind of find the middle ground here. But I also think there is plenty of reason why the Raptors should not force themselves into a final call on what this team is. Understanding that there are flaws, but also understanding that Christian Coloco in a year's time could look a whole lot different as an answer at center. Precious Achua, Scotty Barnes, we've just talked about how ridiculous he's been playing center. Maybe it's not all that the sky is falling and that it's just a bit of a lag time on this team kind of making the improvements we thought. That was a long spiel. Jamar, have I convinced you at all? You really laid that out. I see you gave that a lot of thought. Now... Honestly, just knowing the patience that Masai and Bobby Webster have, knowing mm-hmm. how patient Masai was during the Dwayne Casey era, you know, giving them, giving the Larry DeRozan experiment mm-hmm. rope time and time again, I could totally see him doing absolutely nothing. I don't mm-hmm. see him trading a first round pick again, but I could see him just waiting this out, especially. If the Raptors, you know, pick up traction on the road mm-hmm. after this homestand, I could totally see that. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Fred and with Gary. With Gary has a um, player option, correct? Yes. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting seeing that and seeing how much he can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and it, it's kind of been funny how for the last year, you know, some some have been kind of, you know, pushing Gary out of the door, trying to figure out what's really important, man. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. (laughs) A guy on a team like this that struggles to score sometimes, a guy that can get his own bucket. It's invaluable. Mm -hmm. So it's it's interesting to see. You um, you do bring up a good point. I don't see the only way I see Masai blowing things up Mm. is if they go on another tailspin. And, sure. you know, in the next couple of weeks and all of a sudden they're like seven, eight games under 500, then yeah. I don't see it. But this upcoming, I think they played 10 of their next 12 on the road after the Hawks. That's yeah. going to tell a lot of what the Raptors are going to do. Basically, the reaction is going to be off of that. So that's that's your... That's your crossroads where this is either a one and a half year window or a two and a half year window, as you said, in terms mm-hmm. of you know how to evaluate this team. So it's a wait and see approach for me. 
I don't think a lot of the fan base would be happy if no, oh, if no they'll lose their minds. I, I'm guaranteeing before this segment's even over, there will be YouTube comments pouring in about what a dumb dumb I am, uh, what a mark I am for uh, not wanting the team to blow it up. I, you know, I'm, I'm prepared for it. Send it to me. I don't care. But like, you're an optimist. You're looking for the turnaround like you saw last season. And yeah. we're, we're at the we're at this point of the season where things started to click for the Raptors last season, and it's starting to click this season. So. You're seeing the pattern and you're going for it. Yeah. And it's not even just that. And they're healthy now. They are healthy. And I just generally think that uh, teams get sort of brandished as uh, like, you're capped out. Your ceiling is, is whatever it is way too prematurely. Like, again, this team has been together for 18 months. (laughs) Like it's, it's not been a very long time and it just feels like, there's always this rush to oh well they're not are they, do they have a title ceiling we don't know yet we really don't know we don't have enough of a sample to know especially we don't know what Scotty Barnes is going to eventually become the entire ceiling of the team is tied to him you have Pascal Siakam who rocks who walked into 35 points on 13 shots last night by the way like I know I know it, we, didn't, we should have mentioned that in the first segment we yeah, should have but it just it feels so normal so now for him to yeah. be amazing it's just like uh you know casual and by the way to the point in the first segment about things kind of having a bit more of a plan and an identity Siakam three assists last night that's a pretty decent indicator to me that things are healthy because he doesn't have to do freaking everything. And there are other guys who can make the offense hum and he can kind of pick his spots and 13 shots, 35 points. Like that's, I think an indicator of a healthy offense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, uh, you know, again, it depends of course, also like, do they get a massive offer for Fred Does some contenders say we're a Fred away from the title and offer you something you can't refuse. If that's the case, then sure. I'm, pull interested, the trigger. In Fred, I'm in Fred, interested in Fred's market. I really am. We dove deep into it last Friday with Joe Wolfond and there aren't that many teams where you can even make a trade that matches salary wise. Like it's really hard to find the Clippers are like the only team to me that seems even all that reasonable. And, you know, that your mileage may vary on what that return might be. The picks certainly are far off in the future. And if you don't think you're getting someone who can help you next season, when you still have Pascal Siakam on the team and you're, in theory, trying to sort of reboot and have a good year next year, um, keeping those guys, maybe, not the worst idea. The Raptors have had a lot of success in the past with just retaining their good players and then figuring it out later. And uh, I think maybe that's the course. Once again, we'll decide fully before the season or before the deadline comes, I suppose. And yeah, this next stretch of heavy road schedule is going to be pretty indicative. We're going to continue on here, Jamar, get into the good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Charlotte Hornets. We'll get to that in just one sec. One sec? No, one sec before we do that. Oh boy. Uh, today's show is brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from foot, pro football and college uh, basketball. Now that the football season is over, you've got the NBA, of course, the NHL, you got the WNBA season, you can get some futures bets in there as that's coming up quick and fast. All of it is available at betonline.net. They got podcast, injury reports, all sorts of analysis, and their whole game over at betonline.net is trying to make you the informed wager so you know why the Lions are being set the way they are so you can put your money down in a way that's going to benefit you as opposed to just throwing it away on bets that ain't going to cash. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. 
The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we are uh, wrapping things up here with the good, the bad, and the hmm from the game against the Charlotte Hornets. Let's go to the good. Uh, Jamar, what you got for your good? I'm gonna give Precious a shout out. He's making, yeah, more, yeah he's making more strides as you know he gets more acclimated, gets his feet under him, gets his conditioning going, and he's going to eventually get more minutes. And how much minutes did he play yesterday? Let me look it up. Just eighteen. 18. So yeah, you're going to see that go up in the 20s. So and play 10 steals more. per 36 minutes for him yesterday. <laughs> see a career a career high 5 steals. And yeah. when he was asked about, you know, what was his previous career high? What do you think his previous career high in steals was? Uh, probably 2, I would guess. It was exactly 2. Mm-hmm. And he was shocked as well. And he was, <laughs> he was questioning he was questioning the stats people who counted his steals in, <laughs> in previous games because like the jump from two to five he's like I've got I've gotten more than two steals in a game before I'm like I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not OG or anything but I've got more than two steals in a game before but nope <laughs> he went from two to five you know he was jumping a lot of those passes you know he hit a three so that that's good to see because you know that's kind of been out of his game again this season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing some stuff in transition. I, I like what I see from Precious, so I'm giving him my good. He kind of drove that second unit a little bit off the bench. I dig it. I dig it. Um, my good. I'm going for uh the concept of winning wire to wire. Uh, the Raptors did win wire to wire. Uh, on Thursday they almost did against the Hornets, except for a couple of small little blips, but. They all, and then they mostly did it against the Blazers, if I'm not mistaken, as well. Wire to wire wins. They're they're comfortable. You can manage the players' minutes more effectively. Uh, you can withstand runs from the other team when your offense sputters out a little bit. Um, you know, it's a it's a beautiful thing to watch relatively stress free basketball. Even as the Hornets were trying their darndest in the second half to make it a game last night, uh, the Raptors were able to outscore their problems and uh, keep that cushion. And that is a wonderful uncharted place to be for this year's Toronto Raptors team. So that is my good. Let's go to the bad. What is your bad from this game? It's hard to find a bad from this really game. It really is. I have a, a, a fun take on a bad, uh, if, if you want me to go first while you sort through something. Yeah, go ahead. So bad in this game, it, it, or just in general, bad is the answer to the question, how much would Sean like to see the Raptors have Monte Morris in the place of Malachi Flynn in these uh, bench rotations? Uh, I, I did not badly see that want coming. that. I did yeah, not I've, see that coming. I want that it bad. Uh, <laughs> look, Monte Morris is like the perfect table-setting backup point guard. He is what you wish Malachi Flynn were. And I know Flynn had a nice little flourish in his first stretch yesterday, had a nice little dump-off pass and stuff. But at some point... Dude's got to hit a brackets one shot. Like it, it's it's grim right now watching him. You know, just like the lack of confidence, the lack of um, just like confidence I have when a shot of his goes up. 
and I know I rag on Malachi Flynn a lot. I just I've never really seen it with him, and I, I feel bad. I don't want to keep on dumping on the dude, but it's just undeniable that if you had a more sort of seasoned point guard in that spot, like alongside the rest of those bench looks, I think it would look really good. Monte Morris, eminently gettable, you would assume. The Wizards are bad. Uh, they have Delon right there as well, as sort of like a point guard tandem that they can still hand the keys over to. And the nice thing about Monte Morris, if you do the thing I'm suggesting, which is you do nothing and keep the core into next season, Monte Morris signed through next year, so you could actually enter the season next year as well with a reasonable backup point guard option to, uh, you know, I, I'm really, really j- j- just jumping on the bandwagon of my take here. But Monte Morris, I badly want him. Uh, that's my bad. Uh, what's your bad, Jamar? <laughs> okay, well, three, well, three things. Number one, you better hope that Eric Flynn does not listen to this podcast. I can't imagine he does. We're not Facebook <laughs> strong in our social promotions, so I don't think it would have crossed his path. <laughs> yeah, because he, he's known for going on a rant or two, so... Number two, I've watched a lot of Monte Morris from the Nuggets days, and he was, um, along with uh, Jones in Memphis, like one of the more reliable backup point guards. Just an league. adult. He's an adult-ass player, which they yeah. badly need, especially and, with Ottawa for the season. Yeah, the, the couple seasons that the Nuggets were missing Jamal Murray, he was a huge part of Denver's mm-hmm. offense. So I can see that. Number three, in terms of the bad, I'm nitpicking here because overall, you know, there wasn't much to pick bad from this game. Mm. But the Raptors um, just stopping dribble penetration and general scoring in the paint wasn't great in the second half, which is why Charlotte kind of lingered around and, you know, they couldn't keep their double-digit lead. And then it turned to five before Fred hit that dagger three. So really Mm. that was the only bad thing to look at. But, again, I'm nitpicking. I I sound like a coach now. No. Apart from that. (laughs) Look, the defense I thought had long, good stretches in this game where they were, you know, kind of doing their Raptorsy thing. But certainly, yeah, the you see the though. need. You see the need for rim protection still, as much as Scotty I think is doing his darndest there. Like there's still the need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, again, you can still acknowledge the flaws in the roster and the ways you have to upgrade it while not just uh, burning down the rest of it because the flaws are real. Um, but yeah, they, they, like the the offensive progress, really great. It would be nice to see the defense kind of match that. Let's get to the hmm. Uh, what's your hmm from the light game last night there, Jamar? <clears throat> For me, everything is sustainability. Okay, yeah. you're on a three-game win streak. You played one of the worst teams in the league for two of them. Can mm-hmm. you carry this over on the road to good teams? Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse hasn't played a guy for 40 minutes in like three games now. That's it's a glorious be a place to be. Because <laughs> that's gotta be a record for him. You mentioned the rotations earlier. I absolutely love the staggering of having three starters. I mean, not three starters. Was it three starters? Yeah, three starters with um Coloco and company, and yeah. then having two starters with with um Gary and uh, Gary and um Scotty playing together mm-hmm. with with the bench lineup, I think that's a perfect mix. And then there's yeah. not really that much of a drop off because you could have you know Pascal in- initiating when the bench comes in. You could have Scotty initiating with Gary. You can have Gary doing his thing, although he didn't have a great game yesterday. But you know he's been on fire for this whole new year. Mm-hmm. So I just I love that mix. Is that sustainable? Can you keep that rotation going or? Are we going to see Nick Nurse revert to the eight-man rotation when we're playing a tougher team and he doesn't trust to go into, you know, a, a Coloco or a Wancho or a Flynn? And all of a mm-hmm. sudden you're playing seven guys and Pascal and Fred and OG and company are playing like 44 minutes together. So I want to see if that's sustainable and I want to see if 
the offense, what we've seen with Scotty in the last couple games, you know, the shooting has improved a little bit throughout the team because, you know, they've been getting, it's not about, I don't think it's about a matter of looks because Mm -hmm. even if you look at that ugly Bucks game, they had so many open looks and they just missed them. So it's not even about creating better looks. It's just, can they continue to make shots or we can look like the Raptors in the preseason that shot 24% for three. (laughs) So a lot of it for me is just sustainability. I liked what I've seen for the last week. It's just, okay, can you keep this going? Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And that kind of dovetails into my hmm, which is six games since the new year turned over, which is an arbitrary endpoint, but it makes sense for my brain. Uh, six games, cleaning the glass as the Toronto Raptors half-court offense as the 10th-ranked half-court offense in the NBA. That includes the game where they scored 13 points or 12 points in the first quarter against the Milwaukee Bucks. Started 0 for 15 from the field. Yeah, 3 of 35, I think they started in that game, and yet still 10th right now in half-court offense on cleaning the glass since January the 1st. It's way too short a time to think that means anything. And again, two of these games that come against the Hornets, one's against the Blazers. But you can only play the teams in front of you once again, and their offensive process has been better. They've climbed up to 28th on the full season rankings in half-court offense. That's good, uh, (laughs) considering where they were hanging uh, in 30th and 29th for most of the year. So baby steps. Um, But yeah, since the 1st of January, the Raptors, top 10 in half-court offensive efficiency. I would have never guessed that. Now I'm going to I'd love it. It was my favorite stat I found for today's pod, and I found a lot of fun ones uh, to just fuel my optimism, my toxic positivity, and all of that. Um, But with that, we're going to round out the show. Jamar, thanks so much for hanging, man. Anything you would like to promote for the good people out there? I just wrote a recap on this game. You can check that out on Raptors Republic. You could also check out my Twitter handle, Jamar BH, J-A-M-A-R-B-H. Uh, I have a link to all my Raptors Republic stuff there as well. And that's where you could also see my article through that way. Uh, I am doing a preview for the Hawks game tomorrow. So you can also check that out. And, you know, three to four times a week, I'll, you know, post something, whether it be a recap or a preview of any of the Raptors games. So lots of stuff coming your way. Amazing stuff, man. Uh, you're doing great work. It's always a uh, lovely to catch up with you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free. And your favorite podcast apps, of course, we're also on YouTube. Go subscribe over there. And a reminder, someone is going to the Rivoli on February 7th to watch the Raptors Republic Live Podcast Festival or whatever they're calling it. Uh, I will be part of it. I'm on one of the panels. Katie Heindel's going to be there. Uh, you know, a whole bunch of great pals. And you can be part of it by going and Sending an email to LockdownRaptors at gmail.com. Send a screenshot that proves you are subscribed to the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel. And a little note about who your favorite deep cut Raptor of all time is. Still waiting for people to join Martin Miller in the draw. The Bismack Biombo fan himself, Martin Miller. Jump on in and I will pull a winner on January the 24th to come hang at the Rivoli on February the 7th as we preview the trade deadline, the deadline at which I will be advocating for the Raptors to do nothing. Uh, All right. (laughs) We'll wrap it there. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful weekend. We'll talk to you Monday to break down the game against the Hawks. Hopefully an uproarious win that puts the Raptors back into the top 10 in the Eastern Conference. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.